What's going on, everybody? Chris here. Welcome back to the show. As you may know, we have quite a few shows under the Hacker Valley umbrella, and one of those shows is Hacker Valley Red. This last season was so awesome, we decided to bring it here just for you. We will be featuring legends of the offensive side of cybersecurity, so let's jump right in. It's me, Simone Biles. You might be wondering why you're hearing my voice on a cybersecurity podcast ad. Well, it's because I'm partnering with Axonius. Whether you're a gymnast like me, or an IT or security pro, complexity is inevitable. And I've learned that the key to success is focusing on what you can control. Go check out my video at axonius.com slash Simone. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash S-I-M-O-N-E. We are back with Hacker Valley Red, where we're exploring the nexus of offensive cybersecurity and humanity with a hacker's mindset. Again, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Chris Cochran. And I'm Ron Eddings, and I'm super excited to continue down this path even further, highlighting cybersecurity legends, especially on the offensive side of the house, the penetration testers. When we look at where we've been so far in this season and where we're going to go You have to think about the impact, the splash that the practitioners have made in the industry, but also the splash that we're trying to make with highlighting these stories, not just the technological stories, but the human stories. I feel like there's just so much going on right now and even more to come. Absolutely. Something that's near and dear to our hearts is content creation, right? Because we feel like that is what can help make a splash. If you want to scale your impact, inspire, empower people on the blue or the red side of the house, sometimes content is the best way to do it. And so when you talk about making content, you're talking about awareness, making people aware that things exist, whether you're talking about vulnerabilities or you're talking about hacks or threat intelligence across the board, awareness is really where that initial interest comes in because you begin to explore the nuances of cybersecurity security or different attacks. And that's really what starts the path for a lot of people. Yeah. And when you think of awareness, I feel like one of the things that we've always done well is putting ourselves out there, being a little vulnerable, being a little silly at times, being knowledgeable, right. but really trying to bring something to the people. One of the things I loved about you most when we first started working together was the easy framework that you put together. You made threat intelligence digestible for many people. And when we look at threat intelligence, you can't think of threat intel without offensive security because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're looking at the offenders, the hackers, maybe even some of the cyber criminals. When you think about impact and also being a content creator, we have to go back to the people that inspired us. I have someone in mind who was actually our guest. But first, Chris, I want to ask you, who inspired you in the realm of threat intelligence, content creation, to put yourself out there and create a framework like easy. Yeah. So I would say on the threat intelligence side, obviously I was at the National Security Agency. I had access to a lot of the pioneers in the intelligence space, people like 
General Alexander, getting to spend time with him and learn from him was absolutely incredible. But then on the content creation side, we're surrounded by content these days. Uh, interviewers like Joe Rogan and interviewers like David Lennerman and looking at different podcasters and even some YouTubers influence the way that we do content. But really, there's so many places that you could pull inspiration. And that's the beautiful thing about content is There might be a single piece of content that changes the way that you look at things. It might change the way you look at cybersecurity or the red side of security. So that's the beautiful thing about content is that there might be something magical in it. Love it. And one thing that really always inspires me is the YouTubers. I've always been fascinated by YouTube just because there's content from businesses. There's content from independent creators and there's content from even kids sometimes. Like, there's some really cool yeah. stuff that my nephews and nieces watch. But when it comes to cybersecurity and seeing someone really make an impact when it comes to content, the name that comes to mind always for me is John Hammond. John is someone mm. that has been YouTubing for years now, many years, I think almost 10 years at this point. And he's always put himself out there to show how he learns and then teaches people to learn his way, but also other ways, showing that cybersecurity isn't just one click and then boom, all of your questions are answered or you have a shell access to a box, but there's so much more that goes into it. John is also a senior security researcher at Huntress Labs and a cybersecurity education enthusiast he has coined himself as. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with John Hammond. What's going on, everybody? You're in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And in this season of Hacker Valley Red, we're going to be highlighting cybersecurity legends, especially focusing on pen testing and the offensive side of the house. And we found the perfect guest, literally the perfect guest, because I feel like everyone may have learned something from him. I know I have. And our guest today is John Hammond. John is a senior security researcher at Huntress Labs and cybersecurity education enthusiast. He has a well known, very popular YouTube channel called John Hammond. But most importantly, John, welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks so much, everyone. Ron, Chris, this is awesome. Thanks so much for letting me come hang out with y'all. <laughs> oh, the honor is all ours. When you look at what you've been able to do with content, that is no small feat to have those types of numbers. And I know content careers, we try not to get caught up in the numbers. But sometimes what that can mean is that you are making an impact and you are creating value for your community. But first, For the folks out there that don't know who you are just yet, let's hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Sure thing. Well, hey, thanks so much for asking. Yeah, my name is John Hammond, right? Over at Huntress Labs, but that is not where I started. I kind of got my feet wet with the U.S. Coast Guard, kind of pouring into more of the government and military side. That speed ran me to, hey, the Department of Defense Cyber Training Academy, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, and now where I landed with Huntress. But all along the way, kind of creating content and helping educate others through YouTube is really my main stage platform has been just a passion project, a labor of love and something fun along the way. But really that's where I've been cutting my teeth. It's capture the flag, sharpening the sword and cybersecurity training, and just try to be all about it. Try to stay in the front lines. (laughs) So you got to take us back, take us way back, right? Because I feel like when you have the desire to teach somebody, it almost stems from somewhere that has always been connected with you. I feel like For Chris, when he learned about dancing, he was trying to teach everybody how to dance. And 
same for threat intelligence and now even podcasting for them. But I bet for you, there's like an origin story for learning or even educating others. A little bit. Yeah. Hey, I kind of grew up sort of like any kid might. And there's like, hey, I want to make video games, right? Or I want to be a hacker in the cool (laughs) Hollywood movie style, Mr. Robot, whatever. And somehow, some way I ended up Googling just, hey, using my computer to look online, how to be hacker or how to make (laughs) video games, right? And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess... Maybe I landed in the right place. I think I stumbled across what was Eric S. Raymond and and his blog, his online article that said, hey, if you really want to be in this thing, you should pick up a programming language or like learn to code. So I would look up YouTube videos on how to play with the Python programming language and scripting language. And I don't know, that just opened the floodgates. I learned from other people just sharing their knowledge on YouTube. And I started to think, well, hey, if this is how I'm learning and maybe the best way you can sharpen your skills and learning something is to try and teach it yourself. So I thought, well, maybe I could give back or showcase. This is the really cool stuff. This is what I'm having fun with. I really enjoy this. I want to bring it to other people. And that's how the YouTube channel slowly, very, very slowly, but surely it caught some wind. <laughs> Yeah, we got to talk about that slowly part because a lot of folks think that, oh, overnight success, folks are waking up with millions of followers. Like that is not the case. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Like when you first started, obviously you saw a need to put content out there and then slowly but surely, not only did that time allow you to amass followers, but it also allowed you to cultivate that tradecraft, that ability to push messaging and interesting content. Tell us a little bit about the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting when you look at, okay, the field of cybersecurity, right, and technology, and maybe that's harder to maybe, I don't know, carve out a niche or carve out some platform as opposed to like something like entertainment. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. some silly creators doing, I don't know, backflips off of cars or whatever, that could probably get some views and get some eyeballs and attraction. But that's all fun and games, right? Maybe that'll blow up at a night. But it's hard to hey have that success when you're trying to showcase weird, nerdy stuff, right? <laughs> Computers and geeks and all this thing. It's very, very different. And I think, okay, it does come with a little bit of that consistency and just wanting to put stuff out there. I was honestly uploading videos since like 2009 or 2011. You can probably find some way back on my channel. But I don't think I saw any growth, any meaningful, hey, numbers increasing and kind of success and until probably 2018. I would collaborate with some other creators and that would help grow. Hey, this person's doing really cool work. This person's doing really cool growth. And then sure, maybe the small number of a thousand subscribers might turn to 10,000 and then 20,000. And then it starts to have some exponential growth, right? Okay. We go from that to 40 and then 80 and then past a hundred thousand. It's very, very cool and very fulfilling to see that. As you mentioned, just get in front of so many people. Yeah, I bet. And I look at the impact, right? You have hundreds of thousands of followers and just giving people the opportunity to learn. Throughout my career in cybersecurity, time and time again, as a consultant, I would run into people that didn't have the training, the opportunity to be trained, to learn Python from someone that has bit their teeth on that programming language and all the bugs around it and concurrency even maybe. But what kind of feeling do you get looking back at all the content that you've created so far? Oh, thank you. That's a super cool question. I think one of the things that I am most pleased with, or I really am thankful for in my content and what I think that people watch also tend to appreciate is that 
it's a screen share. Like I'm showcasing just my computer screen. Maybe you get a little face cam in a circle on the bottom right, but it's like you're looking over my shoulder and seeing me showcase something raw, live, and genuine and authentic. So that means I'm mm. making a ton of mistakes. <laughs> like yeah. I'm hitting the backspace button like 17 <laughs> times, moving up in my command history, and you'll see me run into a rabbit hole, crash into a wall, and then try to work my way out of it with some live debugging, troubleshooting, which isn't yeah. by any means like a pretty package and nice polished video to showcase and educate something, but it shows the I hope like real art of hacking. Right. And that sometimes you just kind of mess up and you make mistakes and there's so much learning and research and grit. It's not all that sexy. There is a lot of failure in hacking. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Let's dive into one of those stories right now. Obviously, doing something is very vulnerable, period, when you do content. But especially content that is sometimes divisive as cybersecurity when folks are always like, oh, why would you do it that way? Or why would you take this route? There has to be some thick skin for one. But it also <laughs> creates this environment where I'm sure you got really tight on how you do certain things from a hacking perspective. But is there a story that really stands out in your mind that really highlights sort of that dynamic nature of doing content but also being vulnerable? I think so. I'm really glad that you mentioned it's a cool word that you use there and like, hey, you're sort of being vulnerable, laying yourself out there to make mistakes, accepting a lot of that critique and criticism and a whatever hater comments. But yeah, I think it's interesting because again, if you're and I try to be upfront and honest and transparent, like, look, I don't know everything. I don't know anything like I'm here to learn just as much as you are. So mm -hmm. please share in the comments or if you're interested it's totally cool if you want to correct me tell me hey a tool could have accomplished this job and like no time at all you wasted a couple minutes here and there or a lot of time or like hey if you use this syntax it's faster or oh if you did something else in a different way that helps me learn it's improving right. me in a very very cool feedback loop or i'm sort of crowdsourcing education is that the right way to put it i don't know yeah. it's, it's like a <laughs> mmorpg when massively multiplayer online when we all yeah. get to learn and me right there with it so i would love to hear some of the reflections and also like things that you use at your day-to-day -day. you're not just a content creator but you're also a practitioner like that has his hands in the weeds does the content help you with your nine to five or is it more so the other way around where you have more ideas about content because of Know what you're exposed to at work. Oh, it is a very, very cool two-way street, I will admit. Kind of both feed each other in the cool way. Some of the stuff that I would showcase between, hey, malware analysis or diving into the cheesy dark web, Tor, yeah. the Onion Router nodes and all that, silly V2, V3 websites. Those all kind of got inspiration from, hey, the work that I do for my day job. And day job might get some cool training and exercises for stuff that I just wanted to pour into YouTube. I think it really does help when I have an extra megaphone to help get information and messaging to folks. When we've seen, hey, the Kaseya VSA ransomware incident back in the 4th of July of 2021, or when we saw Log4j, one of the yeah. Java vulnerabilities way back in December of the end of last year. And now, super recently, at the time of us recording this, we had like Memorial Day weekend and there's some crazy Microsoft Office MSDT vulnerability yeah. in CVE. So it's wild to help, again, get that information out there. And I think that is an interesting intersection between, sure, here's training and capture the flag and war games where you can practice 
when we get to the real stuff, oh, real threat actors firing off real exploits to do real damage, it's an extra stage. And I think that's a very cool thing. What's so cool about what you do in your content is that you're not just teaching processes, you're not just teaching a way of doing things, but you're teaching about current events, things that are happening today. And so I'm I'm sure there's a lot of folks that look to you as a mentor, they look to you as the news and all the above. But with the community that you've made, you've had to have some interesting ways that you've connected with your community, right? Meeting people at cons, meeting people out and about, folks writing you emails and saying how much you've influenced their life. But from that perspective, what has been some of the most impactful moments? Oh, man. Thank you so much. This is super flattering. (laughs) But no, it is a little surreal to go to like a local B-Sides, a security conference. We went to B-Sides Charm over in Maryland just a bit ago. We were over at ShmooCon. I like to really attend DEF CON. And DEF CON, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm blessed and fortunate that my girlfriend is very much into cybersecurity just as well. Okay. So she's always <laughs> with me on all these trips and my other cohort of friends and colleagues. And they'll be trying to go somewhere like, hey, all right, cool. We had a lot of fun at the CTF, but now we're going to go to lunch. Let's pack up all our stuff and let's go to yeah. whatever bar down the the street and they'll be like where's john where yeah. did john go we totally <laughs> lost him and it's like out of the way at the way back in the hallway because i just wanted to hang out with someone that just came up and said hello and said like hey yeah. I-, I watch your videos can we like take a picture together and it's cheesy it's silly but it's just really really flattering and surreal so thank you to everyone that does yeah. come say hi i love <laughs> when you come say hi and if you see me at a conference please come say hi <laughs> Definitely should. And don't forget about us, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) We're all together. It's a family. Yeah, big time. But I would love to know, have the tables ever been turned? I know that you spend a lot of your time on the offensive side, and I'm sure you help organizations, maybe your teammates with offense, maybe like making them more aware of their defense. But have you ever considered focusing more on the blue side of the house with all of your exploration, finding vulnerabilities, exploiting and seeing what the hackers are doing? Absolutely. I think Huntress, right, where I'm at for my day job, we have an interesting, in my mind, very cool perspective of like, hey, all of us come from that more offensive penetration testing, red teaming background. Some of us, oh, whatever government, military upbringing, whatever intelligence community kind of foundation there. And that's very, very cool. And we can say while we're defending our partners and companies and others that, look, our offense is your defense. Like we know how the threat actor and the hackers work because we were there. We know what they might do after that initial access, what they're going to do for persistence, how they're going to escalate privileges, what else they're looking for, for new vulnerabilities. And I think bringing that knowledge of red teaming to the blue team side is just invaluable because then you can help showcase people and educate folks on like, this is what it really looks like. And break down those walls because sometimes I'm just not sure what you mean when you say the word zero day or like, okay, yeah, I know all of the silly, cheesy security awareness training. Don't click on links and don't plug in USB drives. But if you show someone like, no, this is how much damage can be done. And I'm going to show you, here's the visual, their eyes open wide. And I don't know. I think it's very, very cool to mix both red team and blue team without a doubt. 
Yeah, we definitely have to talk about that communication for a second because one of the sponsors for this particular season is PlexTrack, where they are taking the reports from the red side, giving them a place to import their information and then have that communication with the blue side of the house. Because one of the things we saw that was missing out in the community is there's a lot of great things happening on the red side, but sometimes that information doesn't get to where it needs to go. So you can prioritize closing out those vulnerabilities, the gap and all the things that has to go into that. But from your perspective, like having something like a Plex track or just any medium in which you can bring those two sides together, how important is that from a cybersecurity perspective? I think absolutely. We're all playing in concert. As one team sharpens their skills in the red team or pen test, well, okay, now it's up to the blue team to figure that out. What did they do? How can we better detect it? How can we stop and mitigate that? Having those levels of communication and when people say, I guess, purple team, I'm sure you've heard that mentioned here and there, but it's the blend and us working hand in hand between both offense and defense. And when you have that messaging and you can showcase it to other members of organization ABC or, hey, you're part of company XYZ, you can show upper management, you can show folks that might not be big in the mix on this and having that information in a good transparent way just makes things all the better transparency communication honesty without a doubt love it and to follow up what chris said FlexTrack is a sponsor so we've got to give him one more shout out you can find them at flextrack.com forward slash hacker valley that's p-l-e-x-t-r-a-c.com forward slash hacker valley and i wanted to ask you one more question john really about the story again we asked you about a story earlier but i wanted to know What's a story for you that stands out that really encapsulates what you do best from learning to the offensive side of like implementing an attack or understanding an attack more? What's the story that stands out that you've experienced along your journey? Oh, man, there's some that I <laughs> interesting one to either pull or dig into. Huh? Where do we want to go? Do we want to go in sort of the training and growth and career aspect? Do we want to go into like the, hey, seeing real effects in red teaming or pen testing and ethical hacking and threat emulation? Which direction is maybe best in your mind, fellas? We were talking about impact and awareness. So maybe something Mm -hmm. that you did or seen that really made a splash like wide and far. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to spin this one a little weird, if that's okay. And hopefully (laughs) I can find a good ending or something to land on. (laughs) But we'll keep it tactical, right? Talking about offensive red team stuff. Some folks might remember the print nightmare vulnerability some time ago. That was some crazy exploit where like the print spooler service and Windows would just offer remote code execution if it's arranged in the right way or local privilege escalation. So I don't want to get too geeky or too nerdy depending on (laughs) how audio might travel, but myself and a very good friend put together a proof of concept like in PowerShell, super duper easy to perform the local privilege escalation against print nightmare on an endpoint, on a Windows box within PowerShell. So super easy. You could like copy and paste and just slap it in. And we shared that for detection sake. Like, hey, we want to help companies be able to test and validate and see, have I patched? Have I mitigated this properly, et cetera? I'm sure you know, and it's probably a common conversation. Okay, if we are just handing out exploits, proof of concepts out on the social medias, what could be whatever fallout, et cetera? So it's wild and crazy. The ransomware gang Conti 
I don't know, again, if folks might be familiar, they had a leak of their playbook of like the checklist that their operators run through when they're in a target environment and a network victim, what they do to eventually deploy ransomware. And if you look around, looking through the pages of this playbook in manual, you can find the GitHub repo and the repository in code for our print nightmare proof of concept and exploit. Wow. Uh, just wild and crazy. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, we've got yeah. it in with the threat actors out there. <laughs> yeah. This guy's uh, great at teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. And uh, I had received an email from, hey, some other individuals of some external company that I didn't know. They messaged me on LinkedIn and said, hey, John, our organization just sort of got popped. It was a sonic wall vulnerability that got initial access, but... We can see in the event log how they escalated privileges, and there's literally your name in the comments because you can see the PowerShell code. It's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I feel like I just lit this person's house on fire. (laughs) So there's my crazy impact, if that's all right, and awareness and understanding, okay, widespread vulnerabilities. But I don't know. Is that a weird thing? I've touched the hot stove and now literally Mm. seen, sure, exploits and proof of concepts done for those evil nefarious activities and i don't know if i'd want that to happen again right however yet here i go showcasing how you can recreate the new microsoft office vulnerability so it's a weird interesting balance of sure that offensive red team pen tester mind but also that blue team defensive let's protect security mind Yeah, that's actually a great point. And there's someone that's watching this right now that is on the red side of the house and they want to do content just like you do, just like we do. And there's that happy medium with things like disclosure or entertainment or education. We almost have to find this balance of doing the right thing and keeping the wrong information from being in the wrong hands. But sometimes you just can't help it. But what piece of advice would you have for those on the red side that want to continue to spread awareness and create content, but do it in the best way possible? I always tend to land on this, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I think the best way to encapsulate it is show your work, like Mm. share, be transparent, be forthcoming. I know there are a lot of conversations of, oh, gatekeeping and cybersecurity. Uh, What? No, it's not that. There shouldn't be that. I understand there's grit and determination and hard work to do all the things that you're doing, but be friendly and be transparent and honest about that. Here, let me show you how I was able to recreate this attack or do something with my blog. All right, here's Mm -hmm. a video showcase. I'm also, cool, I'm not just dropping a tool for whatever red teaming offensive heads of hacking, but I'm also adding and including some of the detection efforts. Here's a Yara or Sigma rule to be able to see this on the other side. Mix in that red team and blue team. So show your work and be part of the community. Network, attend those conferences. I want to be able to see you out on the interwebs doing great things. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I absolutely love it. I used to teach lock picking, and nice. obviously, folks could use that for evil. They could go break into places, steal stuff, wreck stuff, whatever it is. But we felt like that information is power. And the more that people are aware of the things that are out there that can go wrong, the more they can think about ways to protect. So absolutely love all the stuff that you're doing. But for the folks out there to want to keep up to date with you, your YouTube content, and everything that you're doing out there, what are the best ways for people can do that? 
Well, hey, thanks so much. I hope I wasn't rambling for too much. <laughs> but if you weren't sick of me yet, yeah, you can find me online. <laughs> YouTube is John Hammond, right? Just my name. Twitter, I'm like at underscore John Hammond. LinkedIn, hey, John Hammond, right? Pretty easy to track me down. I'm that fellow with red hair. and I'm practically a walking docs, I guess. <laughs> Awesome. We'll find him at the conference, like John was saying, and also check out his information in the summary below. John, thank you again for speaking to us and talking to us about cybersecurity legends and making such a great impact on the field. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. What I love about John is that he makes such a huge impact, but you can tell in the way that he speaks, he is incredibly humble and he loves working with people. He genuinely cares about people. And I think that is a key feature in anyone trying to make an impact, whether you're talking about awareness, you're talking about education, anything like that, understanding other people and wanting to help is beyond important. Crucial. And I think when we look at individuals like John, he said it wasn't just him going at it alone. He had other people in his corner that were rooting for him, cheering him on, and also being a positive example. And with that, we have many more positive examples coming up on this season of Hacker Valley Red. Some cybersecurity legends that really have changed the game even before we knew that they were doing it publicly. Ooh, this next episode, y'all, just be. Sure to tune in for it because it is going to be a roller coaster of a ride. So be sure you tune in. And with that, we will see everyone next time.